Avalara proudly sponsors this podcast series about accountants by accountants and featuring some of the best thought leaders in the industry. Thank you to our sponsor, Avalara. Avalara's award-winning tax automation solutions help accounting practitioners and businesses of all sizes simplify sales tax compliance with real-time rates, automated returns filing, and more. Learn more at avalara.com. Hey everyone, this is Laura Lynn and you're listening to the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly Accounting Podcast. More accountants than ever are experimenting and shaping our profession in new and interesting ways. On this show, I sit down with these rock stars to discuss the ideas, the opportunities, the struggles, and the strategies that they're taking advantage of so the rest of us can do the same. Accountants can earn free CPE credit from listening to this podcast. Just download the Earmark CPE app in the App Store or visit earmarkcpe.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly Accounting Podcast. Today, we have only the good, and that is uh, Miss Nio Carter-Gray. She is owner of First Step Accounting. She's been in the industry for 25 years and has both an MBA and an EA. And if you've never heard that name or see her on the interwebs, you might be living under a rock. And today's episode is going to be about the art of influencing because she is an influencer. I'm kind of, I guess, an influencer too (laughs) by accident. So I thought it'd be fun to have a conversation about where she started, where she's going, where she's at now, and kind of her strategy around all that. So thank you so much, Niall, for coming. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) (laughs) So I met Niall for the first time in person about two months ago. We were both in California filming a PR campaign for Ignition. Which was fun. It was very fun. That was fun. (laughs) I feel like I haven't seen many clips from it, though. Have you? Uh, own your awkward. They really pumped it up a whole lot uh, during ZeroCon and then ZeroCon overseas. So they may have trailed off a little bit by now because they have a, some webinar series coming up with uh, a few of their users, but I still see random clips here and there. <laughs> nice. Did you go to ZeroCon? I did go to ZeroCon. How was, was my it? First one. Um, and I got to go on behalf of Gusto because I'm one of their ambassadors. Um, so there. Cool. It was pretty fun. You know, I'm a QuickBooks girl. So Damn. being at zero and seeing the different types of users and, you know, how the conferences themselves are different was was very interesting. So it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Did, were there any like, would you say if you had like one big takeaway from that conference, what would it be? Zero likes to party. <laughs> Uh, No, they really created these moments that are very um, fun and engaging. So, like, they had a big brass band because the event was in New Orleans. They had a a drum line come through. So they really created these um, pockets of moments that really kept the energy high level. So, you know, it was one big open space with those silent disco headphones. So it was really kind of, you know, fun and engaging and it, it was just kind of new age, right? It was, you know, when you come to go to a traditional conference, you're looking like, okay, what room do I have to go in? And then you see all of the rooms. This is one room is kind of like 
mm, how is this going to go down? So <laughs> it was cool to really see how they pulled that off because I was leery. I was very leery. You were David Leary. Uh, what you yes. <laughs> I was at, so I was at a conference last month called FinCon and it's a non-accounting conference, but it's for financial creators. And it was, it was a little lackluster. I'll be honest. It was, I was not super impressed okay. with and this, okay, and this is part of it too. I feel like part of running a good conference is the space has to fit the audience. Meaning if your space is too big and your audience is too small, that throws off vibes. And that was kind of what was happening. Oh, that bit. sucks. Yeah. But I mean, and content was, it was okay. It wasn't great. Like I feel the accounting conferences I've been to, but maybe again, that's just because, you know, accounting information is just more useful to me than financial creator information. But yeah, yeah. That, that conference actually has been on my list. So to hear you say it was just, eh, it's kind of, it's really funny to me. I do feel like you probably went in with the I'm, the, I'm the accountant and I'm trying to get this technical knowledge where that event is not for <laughs> technical is more about probably motivation and maybe some information about, you know, how to get your stats up and metric tracking and platform usage. So I don't know, some, maybe you had to take off the, the accountant lenses and put on the, the influencer lens. Yes. Yeah. I think my expectations just were not aligned with what it was really about just because I didn't know what I was walking into. I'd never done it. But I will say the people there that I met, amazing, incredible. What was funny is how much younger that audience was. So I went out to um, sushi actually with Duke. Duke loves taxes. <laughs> he took a group of us out and we're riding in the Uber there. And I'm like, it's like that TikTok video. I'm like, how old are you guys? They were all 10 years younger than me. <laughs> I was the oldest in the party by 10 years. I'm not, I'm not like, I don't consider myself old or young, but I'm like, I'm 37. And I was the oldest there by a decade. I just thought that was hilarious. Oh, welcome to my world. You know, I'm <laughs> mid forties. So I'm always, you know, I'm amazed when I go to places and I'm talking to these accountants and I'm like, you all haven't heard of this? And I have to remember, ma'am, you, you're in your 40s. You're, you're considered old now. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, I don't consider you old at all. You have a youthful spirit. I'm a Gen Xer with a millennial vibe. Oh, I like that. I like that. And then, too, you are the one that convinced me to go to QBC this year. Whoop, whoop. So we'll both be there. Yeah, we'll we're going to be there. What do you kind of, <laughs> yeah, what do you, what do you like, what is, what are you going there for? That's a good question. Like, what's your purpose there? So, QuickBooks Connect, first of all, this is the first year I've attended where it wasn't in San Jose, California. It's going to be in Vegas. So, that is going to be quite interesting to see how they pull off that normal energy that they deliver in San Jose and Vegas, because we've been to the Aria before. We know how spaced out some of those rooms are. So I'm dying to see how they really put together experiences as well as the education. For me, um, I'm at the point now when I attend events is really for me all about the networking. Mm -hmm. I get my CE and continue education mostly online just because I'm a very good dedicated when I'm signed up for C, I sit there, I on my schedule, I take notes and pretend like I'm in class. If I am around people, I am the extroverted extrovert, so I'm being extra social. So uh, I try not to go, 
go to conferences now and try to learn a bunch because I know somebody's going to talk to me and throw me off uh, my game. So, you know, for me, it's really, really about the networking. But I am on a panel at QuickBooks Connect, too. So that's always fun. I love teaching. And um, hopefully, I think we haven't finalized it yet, but they're going to let me do my Black Accountants Meetup, where I get to engage with other um, Black accounting and tax professionals and really just kind of lean into that space so that we can start networking and branching out and meeting other people who look just like us. Awesome. So what is, let's like... Prop your panel. What's your panel session going to be about? I am on a panel with Kelly Parks, Linda Artasani, and Mary, and I forget Mary's last name. But we're talking about how to choose a niche. So, it's, you know, it's, all, it's always fun having those lively discussions because, you know, some people think you need to go super narrow. Uh, and there are people who are generalist. <laughs> so it, it'll be fun just kind of talking about who we serve and why we serve them and how we choose to serve who we serve. Yeah. Okay. So that's a great segue. Who, who does your firm serve? Are you niched? Have you always been niched? I have not. Well, technically, I'm going to say yes, because when I started the firm, it was really to kind of help those in multi-level marketing. Um, I'm a big believer in multi-level marketing. I call them mini franchises, low entry to, you know, low cost of entry to get started with a business. And if you work it right, you know, you walk away with some money to pay some bills. So um, when I initially started my firm full time, it was I'm going to help all my multi-level marketing friends. I quickly realized that uh, they don't really want to pay for certain services. <laughs> so we kind of moved away from just serving multi-level marketers. So now I work with what I call my hustlepreneurs. They're going from full-time employment to full-time entrepreneurship. Most of my clients are under 500K in revenue and they are service-based and mostly serving some type of service in the online space. So I love my tech savvy folks who are not afraid to experiment and try and play around with technology and the internet and, and all that, you know, mobile and all that good stuff. Yeah. Okay. So then that leads me to you host, and it's, you've done it two years now, right? The Take Your Firm Virtual event? Taking Your Firm Virtual Summit. We've done it three years now. So. Three years. Yep. Okay. And so then... My question is, because you started your firm in 2010, did I read that right on yeah. the website officially? Okay, so have, were you virtual from day one or was there ever a point where you were like, have Z and then made that transition later on? So my firm, I rented an office. I, I do like having an external space. I just work better when I'm not home, even though I do have a home office too. But we started uh, initially tax only. And when I started in that office, I knew I was at least going to be paperless. And uh, so we had the first piece of equipment I bought was a high output scanner. It was an Epson scanner. I spent $400 on it. It was more than the scanner cost the same amount as the rent for my office. I was like, this is, <laughs> I know I'm going to need this because I don't want to have any file cabinets anywhere. And so that first tax season, I had about maybe 35 um, clients. And that was just me. I, you know, I had already had a handful of clients, about five or 10. And I told all of them, hey, I'm doing taxes full time. You know somebody, send them my way. So 
out of that 30, probably only 10 of them came in the office. And they found out that they could just send me their stuff or mail it to the office. I would scan it and send it back. And they jumped on that opportunity. So from the jump, I knew that that was special. Nobody wanted to be to travel to an office to sit there for an hour to then, you know, if need be, have to come back. So from the from the onset, I knew I we we're not going to be chained to the desk. Plus, I'm not a morning person and you know, I I don't want to work be at my office at eight o'clock. That wasn't my jam. That was, <laughs> that was right? one of the reasons when I got out of corporate, I was excited about that. Like, oh, I can sleep in. So, <laughs> you know, um having to be in an office somewhere from nine to five, waiting for clients, that's that doesn't excite me. So I knew from the, the start we we had to do something different. And I looked around for events or conferences that would kind of teach me how to do that. I found a technology conference that was in New York. So I'm in Baltimore, Maryland. So I was like, oh, I'll take the train up and stay in New York. And I went and it was so long ago. The biggest piece of technology that I learned about at that event was Square. So Square was disrupting, you know, the credit card industry because you didn't have to have a, a monthly fee with a three-year contract. And I was like, that was that was hot. Um, and then I also learned about Shoeboxed. So you used to mail them the receipts and they would scan them in and send them back. So those were the two pieces of technology that I, you know, kind of started wow. with. And then it grew from there. But, you know, just going to these events, I was like, nobody's talking about technology. Like all these traditional people, I'm like, this is not how I want to work. Where are the people who are doing what I want to do? Avalara helps businesses of all sizes get indirect tax compliance right. Their sales tax solutions help you manage sales and use tax complexities while lessening risk for your business and clients. Whether you're a small business or a global enterprise, Avalara can help you deliver tax compliance services confidently and efficiently. Over 30,000 organizations across the globe use Avalara's cloud-based compliance solutions to solve transaction tax compliance needs, including sales and use, VAT, and other direct and indirect taxes. Yeah. And so you're definitely at the very front of that train of leading that, you know, based on when you entered the industry. So at what point or like, what was kind of the catalyst where you made the transition from not only am I going to do this in my firm, but I want to help other people do this as well. So going back to trying to find the community that was doing this, Stacy Kildall, I found her on Facebook and she used to have a, a Coach, coaching program, the Stacy K Academy. I went through it. Um, and at that time, QuickBooks Online was newish. I had tried it and hated it. I was like, I'm going to stick with desktop. We were just <laughs> hosting it through Write Networks. But she made me re rethink it and relook at it. And that was probably 2000 and I'll say around 12, 2012. So after that, um, just building on that technology, I saw people were attending QuickBooks Connect. I missed the first one. My auntie Oprah was there. That's my auntie in my mind. Oh. I missed that one because I found out about it a week before. And if you know anything about airfare, trying to go from east to west uh, with a week's notice, that airfare was ridiculous. <laughs> so it's like more than like the cost of everything else combined at the conference. Yes. 
So I was like, I'm putting it on the on the agenda for next year, and that's what I did. And um, going in that vendor room, I was just amazed. I was like, okay, I finally found my people. But then, you know, going on that train, finding everybody's doing all of these wonderful things with technology, I'm like, we got to be able to take it a step further. Road shows, I met Heather Satterley and all of what she was doing with Zapier just amazed me. I was like, I got to play with this. And, <laughs> you know, at the time, you're you're a budding entrepreneur. You're trying to grow your tax practice and you're getting overworked and overwhelmed. So I'm like, I have to be able to automate some of this stuff that I hate doing. And that's when I started diving into Zapier. Fast forward now, the recession hit. I mean, not the recession, the pandemic hits. Mm-hmm. I am hearing about traditional tax professionals who are older having to go into an office in order to serve their clients. And I'm like, you aren't in the best of health. You're putting yourself at risk all because you feel like you cannot do this virtually when I know you can. I've been doing it now for years. I heard horror stories about people working from home without the bare minimums, like virus protection. So I was just like, okay, we have to be able to do this in a a better way. So that's where the idea came from. Um, Or that's where I pulled the idea from the back of my mind to the forefront because I was like, we got to do this now. I don't want any taxpayers getting hacked because of a tax professional not securing (laughs) just the basics, their computer with virus protection. And I don't want these traditional tax preparers feeling like they have to put their lives at risk Mm -hmm. just because they need some money. So that's where the, the event came to life. So, you know, 90 days, I pulled it together, asked all my bomb friends, you know, from going to the conferences, meet people over the years, you know, I'm like, hey, can you teach this class? You absolutely love doing this thing. I know you're doing it well. And thankfully, my people love me. They all said yes. And we pulled it off an amazing event. And every single year from there, I just kind of watch the trends and look what accountants and tax professionals are complaining about and try to help build some content and some strategies around it so that people don't feel like they're struggling, uh, especially when you're a solo preparer and you're like, you know, siloed. You're like, it's just one person firm. And you're just like, I want to take all the clients and get all the money. And then you realize I don't have a social life. I haven't been to the doctors in two years. <laughs> I'm overweight. I'm overworked. My bank account doesn't look like I'm working as hard as it is. So, you know, my, my goal in life is always to help those people say, figure out that there is a better and different way. You don't have to be stuck or chained behind the desk. You do not have to be a slave to your customers because that's the other thing I see all the time. We, the, we let our customers tell us how to run our firms. It's like, no. You don't have to do that. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, so then over the three years you've had it, how has the event grown? Like how many people have showed up? Like I imagine each year more and more people show up, right? So the first year we had uh, about 900 registrants. Wow. So it was a, you know, everybody was like, oh, I need some information on how to get this done. Second year is about 1,200. This year, actually, attendance, the registrations were down. But what we did, we changed everything. We changed platforms. We changed the payment process. And registration was down, but engagement was higher. 
And it made for a better event because we we took a traditional virtual event and added some components to it that really made it feel like you were in person. So, you know, I know people now are like, oh, I have Zoom fatigue. I'm so tired of virtual meetings. So people are really looking forward to that in-person feel. But there are some people who are still not excited about being back out in the world, being exposed to COVID, and rightfully so. So I try to, you know, merge those two worlds as best as possible. And we did a really good job of that this year. So, um, you know, my team helped me pull it all off. I always come up with these grand ideas. And uh, and sometimes I try to do things at the last minute. And thankfully, they bear with me because we were able to pull it off. And, and it all of our reviews and feedback from our participants said that we did a good job. So, Oh, that's awesome. So what's your plan in the coming years with it? What, do you, what would you like it to look like three years from now, five years from now? Oof. So... You know, it's a work in progress, right? I still think it is an event that has to be virtual because if you are running a firm, you need to be able to comfortably navigate things online. So, you know, I've I've had people ask me, are you going to do it in person? And I'm like, I don't think so. Um, And the way it is now, I'm able to actively participate. Like I select all the classes, I handpick all the the instructors. I'm able to actually attend the event as if I'm a learner. So I, you know, I like keeping it to this level where I'm able to actively do all of these things. But at the same time, I do want it to reach more professionals so that they realize, hey, you're not alone. There are some things you can do to make your firm life better. So, you know, just increasing attendance, making you know, the vendors happy too, because we do have some sponsorships. The event is free. I do want to always be able to offer that free component. And then hopefully we will figure out this whole CECPE situation. I know I've talked to Blake and the Earmark team about it before, but, you know, one of the things that makes the event so special is that the instructors can really just talk about things the way that they want to without that structure and sometimes CECPE adds that added structure component that changes the spirit of the talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I don't want to go away. So I don't know. What is it going to look like? Hopefully, you know, we grow it to a point where people are talking about it for years to come and are looking forward to it the way I look forward to QuickBooks Connect. Um but we're also helping that next generation of accountants so that we can, you know, finally serve all of the clients and get people who are not looking at accounting, maybe kind of jazzed up like, oh, these people are doing something a little different. They're not going to work for the big four and having to spend 90 hours a week working. So, yeah, just want to be a resource. That's my goal. Yeah. So then... Yeah. So then what is your content strategy around, you know, intra-year getting awareness, you know, for your event you do? Like, so where where do you show up to get in front of these accountants? So tax Twitter is a good one. Um, we spend a lot of time on Twitter. And at first I was like, Twitter is just for a bunch of complainers. And Sherelle Martin, part of my Biz BFF crew, was like, no, Twitter's fun. You can find community on Twitter. And I didn't believe her. 
And so shout out to Sherelle because she definitely <laughs> proved me wrong. Um, at the time, she was big into the QBO chat. So shout out to Kathy Iconis, who used to run that. And she's like, no, I've learned so much on Twitter. So I joined Twitter and I have just discovered so many amazing accounting and tax professionals just from that hashtag. So, you know, it starts there and then we'll meet up in real life, you know, go into these conferences or even I'm coming to your city. You want to have lunch, right? Because we, we get to do that kind of stuff too. And that is really where how the network starts to grow. The other mm-hmm. piece for me is, you know, I'm because I'm the extroverted extrovert, I'm constantly looking at people and just talking to them about the things that they want to do. And sometimes people, you know, they tell me that I want to be a speaker, but I've never spoken anywhere. So, you know, nobody's really going to give me a shot because I've never done it before. And I'll say, hey, I, I got an event. You want to speak? Tell me what you want to speak about. And I'll give them an opportunity to produce a, a class. Um, so like we did that for Nakisha Jones this year. Nobody's ever heard of her or seen her before, but she was able to really communicate how she quit her job and went full-time in the business. And she took that leap and what the tools were that she were using in order to do so. So, you know, it's really for me leaning into who are the people that are around, around me and how can I help them? Um, mm-hmm. and, and so, you know, like understanding, like just choosing topics. I look at what, what accountants' pain points are. <laughs> like one year, everybody was struggling with email overwhelm. And Jamie, um, Jamie, what's Jamie's last name? Uh, Otier. She had a solution for how she responds to email. And I was like, girl, can you come teach us how to do this? And she did. As her authentic self, one thing I love about Jamie, she will throw a cuss word in there. That's my kind of girl. So, you know, it allows us to learn from others that had the same pain point and figured out a solution. So that is the strategy. Yes. Okay. So listeners, I don't know if you picked up on what she said, but a way to create content is by listening to what people are complaining about. That's like one of the easiest ways. You go to forums, you go to... Twitter threads, you go to streams and TikTok and say, see, what are people complaining about? What are they struggling with? And then you provide solutions to those. Yes, absolutely. That And that is one of the ways that I serve my clients. I started getting clients is because I started really doing like blog posts initially about the things that they were either asking me about or I saw them complaining about in other Facebook groups. So the other thing is you can't be afraid to navigate a world that is not your own. So for example, I I have a bunch of therapists as clients and I'll go to, they have like a Facebook group and they're in there asking questions of other therapists. How are you doing this? How are you doing that? And I can help them with their issues because, you know, I've been there seeing what they're struggling with. And I'm like, hey, I got a solution for you. I can help you out. I can tell you all the things you may not have known you need, but now that I have your attention, let's talk about it. Yes. Yeah. No, that's, do you know, um, Russell Brunson with ClickFunnels? Have you heard of? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I've like read his books cause he is, he's like kind of a marketing genius, but that's one of his, I remember I was reading the book and one of them said, go list a hundred, hundred different places, blogs, podcasts, Facebook groups, where your ideal customer hangs out 
and go to those places and start engaging in those places. Like, and that's just a free way to go find clients. It takes time, but it's free. Yes. Another thing that I do, so I used to have a client who taught social media um, management and she was teaching how to market online. So one of the things that she also recommends is, is having that ideal client profile and getting specific, like give them a name, pick a picture. How many children do they have? Are they married? Where's their home life? What are some things they would shop for on Amazon, right? And so I went to Amazon one day looking for books that small business owners would look up. And if you look at the reviews, you will see in the reviews what the person liked about that book or what they hated, what, what it didn't answer. And I was like, oh, perfect. Here is a treasure trove for content here. Somebody who's looking for how to hire kids. I got a whole blog post. Here's how you hire your kids. And here is a payroll solution that'll help you do it at a low cost, right? So it's just one of those ways that I was able to differentiate myself early on because, you know, I, I picked that tip up from her and was like, oh, that was smart. That was genius. Yeah. And here's the thing. You have the credentials to back up what you're saying. So you immediately are positioning yourself as an expert to this audience. And so they will just naturally trust and believe everything you're saying, because here's the thing, they will trust and believe what a lot of people who don't have the credentials are saying. <laughs> yes. The amount of trigger I had today with a guy arguing with me in my TikTok comments about trusts. <laughs> yes. See, he, he sells life insurance. He's not an attorney. He's not a tax professional. <laughs> yeah. Social, social, social media. The blessing and the curse, right? Because we do get those people out there who are putting out this misinformation just because they can. They know that they'll get the likes and the clicks because they've done the research and see people, oh, this is trending. Let me do a video about it. And they they might put out inaccurate information knowing it's inaccurate just so that they can do the clicks and the likes. And then they'll do an apology video to say, oh, that information was wrong. But yet they leave up the wrong video, right? They don't delete it. So it irritates me sometimes when I know people are doing that just for the clicks. It drives me bonkers. But what what can you do, right? You All you can do is be your authentic self, show up and try to correct people as they show you or bring this misinformation to you and explain to them, this does not apply to you or this information is wrong. Now, if you want me to go into the deep dive of why it's wrong, you might need a four-year degree in accounting plus an MBA and a CPA license or an EA license to really dig into that tax law. But if you trust me as your trusted professional please take my word for it. Um, and so, you know, for the most part, that's building that rapport with your clients. And I try to do that a whole lot just by being who the heck I am, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so talking about influence, showing up who you are all the time, not being one person online and then a different person in person really helps with that as well because clients appreciate it. Yes, I, I feel like the more authentic I am, I mean, I can't be anything but authentic. I'm like, I'm not good at faking anything, but it's people relate to authenticity. Like, I cannot stand people who curate their lives on social media. And because I'm like, that's not, your house is not always that clean. You do not always look that good. Like, stop lying. <laughs> <laughs> like, my house is a hot mess right now, right? 
<laughs> walk into my husband and be like, girl, Same. are you okay? Are you me- mentally, are you okay? I'm like, I've been working. No. Yep. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> deadline. <laughs> Did you know that 52% of accounting practitioners, large and small, still rely on spreadsheets and manual processes for sales tax compliance? Why not move your accounting practice to the 21st century using Avalara for Accountants? The Avalara for Accountants automation platform helps accounting service providers of any size grow their service offerings with sales tax prep and filing, transfer pricing, research, business license management, and more. Scale your practice efficiently with award-winning automation that brings efficiency and accuracy to sales tax compliance. Want to learn more? Email accountants at avalara.com or visit avalara.com. Okay, so here's what I struggle with, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. How do you balance between who you're putting out content for for potential clients versus accountants? How do you, how do you manage that? That is a hard one. It's it's a struggle. Um, one of the ways when I do content is typically for my clients. I leave the accountant stuff for if somebody hires me or asks me to do so. Like, you know, we have app partners. Gusto asked me to teach something. Uh, Rewind will ask me to teach something. QuickBooks will ask me to teach something. So I try to leave the accountant-specific stuff for special requests, even mm-hmm. though... It'll come up where I'll see, again, somebody's complaining. A lot of people are complaining about the same thing. And it's, then I'll start curating a few bits of pieces for other accountants. But, you know, when I look at other accountants, the other thing for me is that y'all are grown adults running a business. You do need to start researching some additional information to solve your problems. You can't always crowdsource how to do such and such, right? It's like when I make the recommendations on how to automate something and I'm like, this is how I do it. It's because I have done a crap ton of research. I've looked at 10 apps probably before and said, okay, these are the ones that are going to work for me. But just to blindly go on like Twitter or Instagram and say, what are you using for this, this, and this? And then just going with the first option. It's like, is that going to work for your firm though? You need to learn how to do those Research skills to find out what's going to be a good fit for your firm. And then what the heck are your goals? Because my goals may not look like Laura Lynn's goals. Oh, my God. that's There's so much overlap to tax strategy because it's like there's no one size solution. And that's what I talk a lot about on social media. It's like, yeah, this is what rich people do, but they have different goals, businesses, income, like it's not, you can't just say, oh, rich people do this. I should do this. Same thing. This firm does this, you know, maybe they have a hundred employees. I should do it as a solopreneur. Like it doesn't always make sense. Exactly. Which is why I don't do all types of tax returns. I will, I will turn down certain clients because I'm like, this is not my area of expertise. I don't want to learn it. Like I don't, I don't touch trust. You got a trust issue. I'm not your girl. Right. I have one 990 client. I am trying to get rid of them. I hate Oof. 990s. I don't want to do them. You know, I don't do nonprofits. I got one nonpro- nonprofit, and that's only because I care so much about what they're doing. But after they are gone, that's it. Yep. I don't work with lawyers anymore. Absolutely not. <laughs> See, they're bad clients. They're just too high maintenance for me. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm like, they're bad lawyers and doctors. No, this is this is my problem with them. And I, of course, I have good friends who are attorneys and doctors. It's and I will blame my dad. I will like put my dad up for this. But he, they can have a god complex where they think because they're good at this one thing, like yes, you are fabulous at your profession. Like that does not carry over. To, that does not make you an expert in anything else, you being an expert in this. And so it's like, I want clients who throw me the keys and are like, just drive the car. We don't want to drive this car. I don't want a co-passenger. Like, you can sit in the back and you can ask me questions, but I don't want you directing this car at all. Exactly. I also <laughs> don't want people who are like, oh, I hired you. Your job is just to do it. I'm like, you. no, I need your hands on the wheel sometimes. Like, this is your financial life. I'm helping you navigate it. You know, don't don't feel like you. Oh, I hired you, so now you're responsible for all the things. Absolutely not. Like I had a client one time. He was like, oh, "I'm gonna drop the mail past your office." I'm like, "Why are you dropping mail past my office?" Well, you your job is to open my mail. You're like, <gasps> like absolutely not. I'm not your secretary. We handle the accounting and bookkeeping. If it's not a bank statement, I don't need to see it. And this is you know at the time before online banking was was really popular. But I was like. Dude, don't you dare drop all of your mail to my to my office. It's not happening. I don't even open my own mail, let alone someone else's. <laughs> it that was one of those crazy conversations. I was like, okay, you have to go. And this was early on. So, you know, I started realizing early on how do I want to give my time to my clients and somebody who's talking to me as if I work for them? No, you're not going to get my time. You're, what you're going to get is disengaged or as Amber says, rehomed. We're, we're not going to deal with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. Oh my gosh. Okay. So then how much time on this kind of, we'll call it content creation. So when you're either engaging with vendors and creating content for them, or you're creating content for your own clients, or you're just out engaging in the community, answering questions, how much time per week or what percentage of your work, let's say that, do you spend doing those things? It needs to be more, but it needs to be more. What yeah, is it but, right now? But right now it's probably, so like right now I'm, back on Instagram, trying to, you know, bring my views back up with reels. I really love enjoying, I, I like putting together Okay, tell me reels. about your Instagram strategy, because I'm just... Instagram is that. one of those, it's, at, the strategy is really to try to figure it out, because Instagram is one of those things that's ever-changing, so something mm -hmm. may work one week, and the next week it's like, it's falling flat, so what are you, it's like, oh, I haven't quite cracked the nut on Instagram, but... It is one of the platforms that I'm really enjoying being able to showcase my personality. And I find that that is really what is kind of moving the needle for me in terms of getting new clients. People are like, oh, I saw you're real and you look fun. And so I'm like, I am fun. So <laughs> tell me about your oh. situation. Let's work together. I love it. That's what I was going to ask. So like, what's the lead flow like from it? And do you notice like when you're more consistent, it picks up or is kind of your content you've already put enough to have leads trickle in? So the more I post... Anytime I post a reel, I tend to get at least one or two new appointments or DMs that says, hey, I got this thing going on. Can you help me out with it? So, That's you know, the great. more consistent I am, the more leads I get. It was a point where I stopped because I didn't want any more leads. Like we were in a period of no. Um, and that was I made a higher than just 
didn't work out the way I wanted it to. And so we got behind on our workflow. Finally, we're all caught up. I have a bookkeeper full-time now who is learning, but she's kicking some butt. And then my admin who is keeping me on, on point, right? She's making sure I'm doing the things that I need to do. So now this week, I'm like, oh, we can pick back up on the Instagram strategy and have some fun. So just this week I've posted, what's today? Wednesday. I've posted a couple of reels and already have two new appointments on the books. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. anytime. How many followers do you have on Instagram? A little over 2,000. So, but I remember number. when I was trying to get to 2,000. So I'm like at 2,100 and I'm like, okay, people, I see you. But it used to be my reels would get thousands of views. And wow. this week, <laughs> like it took one of my reels. Uh, about three days before it got over a thousand views. And I was like, wow, okay, something's really changed. So now I have to tweak the hashtags we're using or tweaking the times that we're posting them just to see if that, you know, makes the views any better. Um, my dumb tail, I, I forget to share it to the stories. And I've been really bad about posting to my stories where I used to be so much better because the stories mm -hmm. are really where you can talk and, and showcase who you are as a professional versus the reels that just kind of showcase your personality and may have a call to action where somebody can come to your bio and click a link. Yeah. So one of the things we're going to do is a QuickBooks training uh, for small Ooh. business owners. And so I'm, I'm creating, I was in the process of creating the webinar and the registration page so that when I post my reel today, it can be like, the link is here. You can register. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, I've heard. So I'm like trying to be better about my strategy because right now it's just been TikTok, which is being great. But um, I bought like a course from someone about like how to set up their your business Instagram. And one thing that they said is really use, yeah, the stories they say to like nurture. So it's like these are kind of warm leads, but like actually like get a little more personal because on TikTok, I'm like, I'm straight business. I am doing debunking videos. I'm just spitting facts. I am not telling anything about my personal life, day-to-day -day stuff. None of it happens there. And so that was one thing they suggested. I'm like, oh, I really need to do that. But I've been busy doing taxes. <laughs> it, taxes can get in the way, right? Yes. It definitely gets in the way. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, like even with taxes, just like I posted a reel that it was, uh, <laughs> you know, a couple of days before extension. And, and basically it was for my followers to tell them if you're working with a tax professional and they haven't gotten to you, it's okay. Like if your tax return is late, don't cry about it. Like stop bitching. Go, just be patient. Like I even told them, buy your tax professional a cup of coffee or send them some lunch. Like be thoughtful about it. You got them your information at the last minute. I need you to take some responsibility. So that, even though it was directed towards my my client base, the other accountants that follow me are like, thank you. Somebody said it, right? So it's content that they can share out because they're like, I'm too scared to say something like this, but you said it perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> it's really what I'm feeling. So it yeah. spreads my message just a little a little bit further. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So then you're creating this content. What are you using in terms of like, how are you recording it? Are you editing it? Like what kind of tech are you using to distribute it out? So reels are easy because I literally just use the, the platform on Instagram. I have okay. one like filter I like. It gives me the nice bubble glow. And I'll 
use sounds. I like to use the trending sounds. They work really well for me. For, oh. the, for the most part, if I'm posting a reel, it is using a trending sound. It's, mm-hmm. That is how I found to get me the most engagement. If I'm doing a video that is um, content-based, then I'm going to use the, what's my app called? Video Shop, I think it's the name of it. Mm-hmm. Is that free or does it cost money? Video Shop has a free version, but I pay for it. It's a one-time fee. Oh, that's not bad. Because they have like some, you can do like video on top of video or picture on top of video. Cool. That's very nice. Um, And then you can kind of edit and cut. So if you got different videos you want to put together, but I don't do too many of those. I'm trying to get better. I'm doing, like, I found that my people aren't on YouTube, so I don't have a YouTube strategy. I'm not spending a bunch of time on Twitter, creating long form content on Twitter. That's not where my clients are. You know, I have some clients there, but you know, for me, the accountants live more there. So when it's yeah. accountant lid content is goes on Twitter, but for Same. my client base, I'm like, I'm just going to focus on Instagram. This is what okay. I have the energy for. I can't do Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, LinkedIn. Like, so that's yes. the other thing I tell people, stop trying to do all the things, pick one, stick with it, get good with good, get good at it. Yeah. Then expand. Yeah. What I'm trying to get more strategic with in my own strategy is cross-posting information. But here's what I'm running into. Because I, I want to start posting on YouTube Shorts only because they are going to monetize it. So it's not really necessarily a client lead flow. It's more of a passive income if I can get enough people subscribed and watching my stuff. But TikTok, you can have a three-minute limit. Instagram Reels, you can have a 90-second limit. YouTube, you can have a 60-second limit. So what I'm running into trouble with is like, okay, if I want to create content, I can post on all three, then I can only do 60 or 60 minutes, 60 seconds max. I'm like, it's not, it's not enough time trying to, sometimes trying to explain these more complex tax concepts to people. So that's a big problem I'm running into personally right now. That's because you're trying to explain the whole concept. <laughs> True. It's, and it's like, pick one piece of it. Like, you know, like we can go through, let's use the example of hiring kids, right? Yes. We can use the example of uh, the, <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> use the example is your, of what is your the, room haunted? That's <laughs> what the standard deduction is, right? Standard deduction yeah. is this amount. You can pay your children up to this amount. Here's some of the things you can pay them for. Right. One concept, you can keep that to 60 seconds, but then you want to break it down even further. Here's what you can't hire your kids for. You can't hire them to, you know, pick up the toys in their room. They have to be doing actual work. That's another concept. Then you can kind of dive into it in another one where you talk about uh, you can also pay into retirement for these children because you've paid them up to this amount and then talk about the retirement vehicles that you can use. So it's it's not about you know, when you think about the content and 60 seconds goes by so fast. Yeah. And it goes by so fast because we're trying to explain the whole tax code as opposed to yeah. one little itty bitty thing. Yeah. I mean, you are the third person to say this to me. So maybe this time I will listen. Like the first person was Jason Stats. I feel like his name comes up in all my podcast. So maybe <laughs> maybe you can start paying me for promoting him so much. But it was actually when we were in the Uber um, on the way to the airport from filming, I was telling him about some of the, the content and then, you know, it's taken me a long time to create some of this content because I created like this community-based um, platform. And he's like, 
Well, it's taking you so long because you're going 20 levels deep. He's like, you only need to go one level deep. He's like, these people, you don't need to take them 20 levels. You need to take them one level. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. And then my other, the other person you just told me last week, she's actually a marketing director at like a very large, 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 you know, multi-million dollar marketing firm. Like does, it's like head of, does all the creative for like Kia, like big time marketing. And she said the exact same thing. She's like, you're giving too much away in your videos. You need to stop doing that. And I'm like, it's hard for me. <laughs> right. So, Why don't we have more? Die. Join the community. Click the link. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. So what I need to do is I I think personally then I just well I guess response videos where it's like me debunking something whatever I can make that as long as I want because that's not really teaching concepts necessarily it's just saying this is all the reason why this person's long but for these more static home office auto hiring your kids hiring your spouse I should make it a personal goal to keep those at like sixty seconds sixty seconds yes and if you are going to post them on all the platforms. Don't post mm -hmm. them same time, same day. Like I will unfollow somebody if I if I'm friends with you on Facebook and I'm friends with you on Twitter and Instagram and I see the same thing, I will unfollow you on two of those platforms. Cause I'm like, I don't need to follow you if I'm gonna see the same content. I like yep. a feed that looks different on each one. I go to Facebook for one thing, come over here for another. So if mm -hmm. I'm seeing your same picture on all three platforms, I'm like yeah, no, you got to go somewhere. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, here's my last question because we both did work for this company. And so I want to know what your setup is for this. What are, when you're filming or recording for a vendor, like a paid vendor engagement, what's your setup for that? Like, what are you using to record it? What's your lighting, editing? How are you doing all that? Those are fun. So I do have, um, I like to write my scripts now. I, I am getting... Let's blame Jason for this. <laughs> no, I won't blame Jason, but Jason did help. Um, so I did a series for QuickBooks where we actually had scripts. And although, you know, we weren't reading off the script, we, mm -hmm. the content was supposed to be very close to what the the approved script was. So I learned that script writing process from them as well as working with Gusto and doing, you know, those videos for the certification program. So now when I'm doing content work for a vendor, I will write out a script and that script is dependent upon how much time. So if it's a 60 second content, I kind of have in my mind how many sentences that is. And then yep. I will break those sentences out with what I want to see on screen. So whether it's me and, you know, full frontal, am I adding an extra like GIF or video or picture here? I'll have all of that written in the script so I can kind of outline what it's going to look like. In terms mm -hmm. of recording, I have a Canon PowerShot. What the heck is this? Canon PowerShot or GX Mark something. Girl, I don't know. It lives in my... Uh, <laughs> There's letters and numbers. I probably can pull it. So I'll pull it for you so that you can put it in the show notes. Uh, yes. And then I have a teleprompter. So I am using Ooh. Teleprompter Pro. So I'll take that script, put it in a teleprompter, shoot the video... Oh, but now I am doing two camera angles. So I, I do technically have two cameras. Um, one of them is a side Let's view. See. Wow. Love it. it it's <laughs> difficult because most of the times I'm trying to record my, by myself. Have you ever tried to focus a camera by yourself? 
It it's it like my camera keeps turning off because it's like it's taking it's, forever. <laughs> yes, it's too hot. Mine does the same thing. So it's the funniest thing. So now I have the floor taped off where the tripods go, and I have one camera where it never changes. It's lit- literally on the tripod, and so I just move it and put it there when it's time to record. And then I do have that R mark. Uh, like Jason, of course, with his recommendations, has told me to get. And finally, I taped on the floor where that thing is supposed to go. Because for me, it's usually the lighting that takes the most time because yeah. I'm darker skinned. I wear glasses. I have a whole bunch of bouncing light that I have to deal with and bend some kind of way. Oh, so yeah, the glasses. Fun. Yes, glasses are the major problem because I also have the anti-reflecting coating on there. So depending on how the light hits it, you can see either a green or a purple filter. So it's a it's a whole hot mess. Uh, but I've I am learning how to master it the more and more I do these videos. And we're use and I use Camtasia to edit. So for the most part, I'm doing right now. I'm doing most of my own edits. Every once in a while, I'll you know if I need to outsource because my time is limited, I'll use somebody yeah. on Fiverr just to do whatever it is. But but because I've wrote that script out, it makes it easier because they know what's supposed to be where. Yes, I I hire my younger brother when I have like the only videos videos I hire him to edit are the ones where I'm like producing something for a vendor. But otherwise, I'm like, I'll just self-edit these. These I'm not getting paid to do these. Like, And actually, that's a question. Like, what's your strategy with engaging with vendors? So, like, user-generated content. Is is that something you, like, keep wanting to do? I have my own thoughts personally. But I want to hear yours on, like, what's your strategy around those kind of engagements? So, right now, I'm, I'm like, looking at the software that I actually use. And I really only want to produce content for stuff I'm using. So yep. I you know, I kind of took taking a pause on that for the hot second because I'm like, who do I love? What what am I using that I'm really in love with? And how can I create videos for them that is going to be more meaningful than just, you know, me getting paid to say a bunch of stuff that they've given me to say. And so, you know, most times they approach me, um, okay. but there will be some times where I'm like, okay, I want to do some video content for you because I absolutely love your product. I love what you're doing over there. And usually they're excited about it because one of the things that always happens is that I'm the first accountant using that product and loving it. Oh. So like Cognito Forms is a big one. They weren't yeah. they weren't marketing to accountants, but I love their products. I'm like come on, be a sponsor. I love you. Like I can showcase you to everybody. And they're like, uh, okay. So being able to, you know, work with them and, and kind of do some demos for them has been cool. But I want to do some more advanced stuff with them because they're really one of my favorite vendors. And, yep. you know, their strategy right now isn't wasn't in video. It's It's all in blog posts. So they were like, give us a quote for this or being able to really show them off during the summit. They were like, OK, we, we like that. We'll pay for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So over the summer, I had a couple engagements. Like I said, we did one for the same vendor. But this is this is the issue I ran into. So I haven't been actively like trying to get them is that okay I only have so many hours in the day I only have so much creative energy because writing those scripts like that's a that's a lot of energy to do and so it's like okay do I need to be focusing on these one-off engagements or should I be focusing on my own content that's going to get me these 
reoccurring monthly clients, which is really what's going to take care of me long term. So like, that's what I'm always trying to balance is like, do I want the drop in the hat now? Or do I just want to focus on my long term strategy and, you know, just say, say no to that money? Like, do you do you run into that? I do all the time. Um, and I always come back to if I focus on my clients, the vendors will come. So because in that serving the clients, I talk about the vendors that I'm using. Yeah. And they are like, oh, you like us. Well, we like you too. So let's produce some content together. So I do have a, like, I got a couple of vendors who I didn't have an opportunity to get back to because I was like, what you're, what you want from me is going to require time. And right now time is not what I have. So, you know, I've been kind of like, hey, don't forget about me. I'm over here. I'll be back though. <laughs> and so they're, they're, I'm like, they're going to move on. They're going to hire Jason Stats and say, we forget you, um, which sometimes happens. Like, it's so funny to yeah. me. Sometimes I go to certain people, certain vendors page and I'm like, really, Jason, your face is on the front of the homepage. I, I just can't compete. Right. Okay. We're going to get him to sponsor this podcast <laughs> and we'll both get paid for it because his name has come up like a dozen times <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, one of the things about having friends like you and like Jason is that y'all really make me step my game up because I look at the content you're producing. I'm like, that looks great. Let me see if I can do something very similar. And so, you know, we all use each other for inspiration. Like, you know, my RGB lights. I pulled that from looking at, you know, the gamers. So, like, I have some clients that uh, do gaming and they are big on Twitch. And I'm looking at their backgrounds and I'm like, I like that. It's very pretty. I'm getting ready to do a large event with a celebrity. My, My background needs to be amazing. And so I set all of this background up so that I can look really great on camera. And I ended up looking the best in the video, if you ask me anyway. Uh, (laughs) I believe it. (laughs) But it makes a difference. It it really, it makes the vendors come. So if you're Mm -hmm. just shooting in your car all the time, it's like, okay, you're in the car. That's that's fine. But, you know, when you step your game up and your lighting looks great, your camera looks great, and you show up being your authentic self. So, like, you know, everybody knows me from my glasses. They're like, we're expecting Naya to come with some glasses. So, that you know, the day I come with no glasses, they're going to be like, wait a minute, who is this person? This is not you. <laughs> I, I always, though, too, imagine you with a microphone because you always find the microphone or the microphone finds you. The microphone is always finds me. Better way to put it. Yes. Like, I I want to say there was a, a T-Sheets party like at QBC 19 or 18. There was de- you. And this was before I knew you. But you were you were singing into that microphone. <laughs> Every single year, it never fails. I even went to, when I went to ZeroCon, we were out on Bourbon Street, and they got pictures of me going up the stage with the microphone. The microphone always finds me. That's, that's what I yes. think. Yes. Okay, so here's here's my last question, because this is a lot of, you are you are self-described extrovert, extrovert. I am a self-described, I'm an outgoing introvert. So like I can turn it on when I want to, but then I got to turn it off and recoup. What about these accountants who want to produce content, but are the introvert introvert? No, they should. Do you have any advice for them of like taking that first step? Use screen share. So don't feel like your face has to be the thing that everybody focuses on. Um, Even though you do want to show up so people know who you are, you don't have to be there the entire time. Use, you know, something like Loom, 
where you start off like, hey, this is who I am, minimize yourself and show off whatever it is you're showing off on the screen. So, you know, that's the one thing I tell people all the time. I'm comfortable on camera and that's because I practice. That's the other thing. Just shoot yes. videos. Even if nobody ever sees them, just practice running through some, hi, my name is and how you're going to introduce yourself and what you look like and this is what it looks like when I'm looking at the camera. This is what it looks like when I'm not looking at the camera. <laughs> like, move the camera yeah. around. Look at different angles. What do you like better? Lifting the camera up, lowering it down. So, you know, that way you get more comfortable on camera. But mm -hmm. initially, yeah. it's going to suck. It's going to be painful. It's just not going to feel good. Because you're like, I'm talking to myself. I'm just, I don't want to talk to myself. But at some it's point, a skill. somebody else is going to see it. Yeah, it's a skill and you have to practice the skill to get better at it. Like I, one thing I hear people say is like, oh, I don't like listening to the sound of my voice. Guess what? When you do it enough, you, it doesn't phase you anymore. Like it's like, oh, this is just what my voice sounds like. Exactly. <laughs> and it's funny. I'm from Baltimore. I have a Baltimore accent. It's, you know, certain words that come out and you're like, oh yeah, this girl's from Baltimore. And when I first heard it, it was just like, oh, this is so cringy. But now I'm like, it is a unique identifier. Someone can hear me before they see me and say, that is Nayo. I know what she sounds yes. like. Yes. And two, it's like, just because we're now hearing what we sound like does not change what we've always sounded like. So it's like, this is, this is normal. This is what everyone hears anyway, just because we're hearing it a little differently. So that's, people don't care what you sound like. That's what you sound like. No one cares. Like no one's making fun of your voice. I promise you. <laughs> Unless you're dry and need to speed up like Logan Graff. Then we'll be like, I have to watch his videos on one and a half times speed. <laughs> I actually do that sometimes with my own videos when I record them. And I'm like, ooh, this isn't quite quick enough. I'll put it to like 1.10 and then save it there so it's a little faster. Yeah. So I do that with my own content when I'm like, ooh, this delivery was really slow. And I know I'm, I talk fast. So sometimes I have to slow myself down. <laughs> and it's pretty, I can always tell when I'm reading on a teleprompter too because... It's like, pause. The next sentence is coming. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and that's a whole different skill. Re reading off a teleprompter, that takes some practice too. But the the faster you master it, if you mm -hmm. master it before you have to master it, you are have a leg up on the competition. Yes. Oh, and actually, I'll drop in one more tip for people recording. This is one thing I do, and I'm doing it right now, and I told Blake this, is when I'm speaking and delivering in, like, information, I drop my voice an octave. So I actually speak in a lower voice. So instead of sounding like this, it's it's like this. So that's, like, another trip is it kind of makes you sound more serious in a way. And it takes like it. And here's what's so interesting to me. I really don't get bullied on TikTok. And I think part of it is because the my delivery, it's very professional, matter of the fact. And that's why I drop my voice an octave like that, because that helps me deliver it in that manner. I love it. Yeah. So, okay, Niall. Oh, my God. This was so fun. <laughs> I love you so much. I cannot wait to see you at QBC. Yes. Um. Where can people connect with you if they want to meet you beforehand on the interwebs? Where's the best place to find you? Twitter and Instagram, Niall Carter Gray. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was so fun. And I hope the listeners, uh, I not even hope, I know. <laughs> I know they learned some really great tips. Thank you so much. I appreciate you and I can't wait to see you. Thank you everyone for joining us. Thanks for having me.